No, I don't write songs to, uh, you know, express my feelings. I just write songs. The J Files on Double J. He's a national treasure and one of the great songwriters of our time. With a career that dates back to the 1970s, he has well and truly become a part of the great tapestry that is Australian music. Paul Kelly is not just one of the Australian greats, he's one of the world's finest. His catalogue boasts a fluid and diverse range of music, genre hopping from folk to pop rock to bluegrass, ballads and laments and Shakespearean sonnets too. Is there anything Paul Kelly can't do? Hey, Gab Burke here, J-Files producer at Double J, and this is the J-Files podcast. And each week, we get stuck right into the stories behind the music. And today, we're diving into the genius of Paul Kelly to find out how and why this great artist came to be. It started with a kiss. You're going to hear about the very song that made a young Paul Kelly want to stand up in front of a crowd of thousands and perform music. The great catalyst for his career. I guess it's probably the song that got me into show business. The huge Paul Kelly hit that nearly didn't happen. Well, I had forgotten about it and then I sort of, you know, played an old tape and there it was. I thought, oh, that's, that's pretty good. And the album that he calls Normal. It was love at first sight. But to get into the how and why Paul Kelly came to be the great artist that we know today, we have to get a sense of what music means to him. Here he is in 1998 talking to Richard Kingsmill. You know, the reason I got into music in the first place was that music had a big effect on me, and it still does. And uh, music it has this great p- power to, to, uh, to lift you up. It, it can help you get through bad times. It can also make the good times even better. It, it, I, I, music can make, you know, you just make time stop. I, I've, it's all through my life I've had experiences where I've heard music or heard songs and um, it's like, uh, you know, like this thrill, a thrill runs through you. And um, that's why I got hooked I got hooked on music and wanted to, you know, so oh, I want to do that too. So that's why, that's why I, that's why I started writing songs. I wanted to do do that too. It's like I just wanted to pick it up and pass it on. You know and I know that love never runs on time. And on that note, there's one song that Paul Kelly credits as his first experience with wanting to be a musician, performing to thousands of people. And we're going to find out what that song is very soon. But right now, you're about to hear how Paul Kelly discovered his love of music and how that thirst for a diverse range of music first developed. And actually, it's very similar to the way we all discovered music through our older brothers and sisters. Before too long, the one that you love Probably all started with um, We Have to Sink the Bismarck by Johnny Horton, which I heard on the radio uh, probably around 1960 sometime when I was five. 
you find that German battleship that's making such a fuss? We gotta sink the Bismarck, cause the world depends on us. Hit the decks are running, boys, and spin those guns around. But when we find the Bismarck, we gotta cut her down. Um, that song got hold of me. Then there was another one, The Battle of New Orleans by him too, which I, I loved. We fired our guns and the British kept a-coming. There wasn't as many as there was a while ago. We fired once more and they began to run it. On down the Mississippi to the Gulf of Mexico. My uh, elder brothers and sisters bringing records back from uh, the record store, singles, the Beatles. Peter, Paul and Mary. Oh, up the magic dragon Lived by the sea And frolicked in the autumn mist In a land called Hanali uh, The Rolling Stones. And then later on my older brothers brought uh, Bob Dylan into the house. Then uh, my sister had a boyfriend who played trumpet and he brought in um, Louis Armstrong and the Hot Five. So I just went on from there. I didn't really write my first song until I was around 21, but I'd been writing before that um, short stories and sort of poem, little fragments. And uh, not long after I started writing songs, I thought I'd better move from Adelaide to Melbourne. So uh, I did, and uh, I really got going in bands in, in Melbourne. And um, kept going. He kept going indeed, years and years and albums and albums later. I'm high on the hill, looking over the bridge to the MCG. And way up on high, the clock on the side all says a There's a defining moment in Paul Kelly's childhood, a very vivid memory he has of a particular song that was actually the catalyst for his musical career. He told Richard Kingsmill about it in 1993. I think my mother brought home a double record set of Herb Alpert and uh, I was learning piano at the time. All of us children had to learn some instrument, and uh, so I was learning piano, and then I begged my parents to let me learn the trumpet. Because of this record. The Lonely Bull I remember is the one song I used to lie down with the lights off and listen to it, and imagine that I was playing the trumpet on that song to thousands of people. So I guess it's probably the song that got me into show business. The 
So, Paul, whatever happened to the trumpet lessons? The trumpet lessons? Um, well, I did them all through high school. I did five years of trumpet. I played in the school band. Um, and then I carried it around with me for a year or two after I left school on my travels. But um, just, you know, I lost, I lost the discipline of playing it. And the trumpet, you have to keep it up every day, else you lose your lip. You do. Mm. I ended up passing it on to my younger brother when he went and played trumpet for a while. Okay, so when was the last time you played? You, bl- you blew a trumpet oh, a long, long time ago. A long, long time ago. That's yeah. a shame. You, do you ever regret not keeping it up? Uh, yeah, yeah. I also regret not keeping up piano. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they talk about, I mean, like a trumpeter like Miles Davis, they, they talk about the way that he can make a trumpet sing. Did sort of singing replace the trumpet for you? I don't think so. Singing was singing came later for me. Um, singing was just something I had to do to get my songs across, and then I got more interested in singing in itself later. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, as as you sort of got better at it, or you did it more, you got more interested in it as a, to, as a craft. Yeah. As a craft. Yeah. And trying to hone that one down. Mm. Still, you're still honing yourself as a singer, do you think, or have you? Have you oh, you the best is best is yet to come. <laughs> I hope this isn't the best at present. No, yeah, that's something to look forward to. Getting better at that. From St Kilda to King's Cross, it's 13 hours on a bus. I press my face against the glass and watch the white lines rushing past. And all around me felt like all inside me And my body left me And my soul went running While he gave the trumpet and the piano the kick, you can definitely hear the bluesy influence in some of his work. And as we've heard, he has a great thirst for a diverse range of music, probably why he's such an irrepressible creative force. I guess because he loves it all, he kind of wants to try and do it all. And the true indication of a really great artist is when, like Paul Kelly, you can do it all and you can pull it off really bloody well. Let's move forward now And the job 17 With a girl in the backseat Tugging at his jeans She knows what she wants She guides with her hand All the boys drive inside it up on too much of a pedestal here because as he told Richard Kingsmill in 1995 music has that same sentimental value for him as it does for the rest of us the ability to transport you straight back to a certain place and time in your life you saw me standing alone do you have a snapshot Paul when you hear that song again like a song like Blue Moon from Elvis Presley does it bring back do you find that songs do that for you? Have instant snapshots? Hoddle Street, Melbourne. Why? It brings back a time when I first moved to Melbourne. There's a lot of uh, music that I heard then at that, that time that was a rev- revelation to me. Jonathan Richmond. That summer feeling, that summer feeling, that summer feeling. John Cale, Paris 1919, that album. That's a great album. First time I 
discovered the Beach Boys, really. Biggie Pop. You're going to find out very soon which Paul Kelly hit very nearly didn't happen. But one of the standout things about Paul Kelly is that his voice is instantly recognisable for so many Australians. And I mean that in a good way. As soon as you hear those twangy tones, you know it's Paul Kelly. And he has that really unique way of singing and storytelling in a conversational way, while still expressing the tone with emotion and gravitas. Gather round people, I'll tell you a story. An eight-year-long story of power and pride British Lord Vesti and Vincent Lignari Were opposite men on opposite sides Vesti was fat with money and muscle Beef was his business, broad was his door Vincent was lean and spoke very little he had no bank balance, hard dirt was his floor. From little things, big things grow. From little things, big things grow. And something that's really interesting about the way Paul Kelly sings is that there's actually a couple of 20th century crooners that he's tried to emulate. As a singer yourself, Explain to me, what, what is it about Frank Sinatra that is so special for a singer to have to sort of listen closely to what he does? He seems to talk to the listener very directly, very conversationally. But if you let me love you, it's for sure I'm gonna love you all the way. I mean, if you talk about Frank, you have to go back to Bing Crosby, who really started that off in terms of singing very intimately. Uh, into a microphone. You got to accentuate the positive feeling, mine it to negative, latch on to the affirmative, don't mess with Mr. In Between. But uh, Frank picked it up from, from uh, where Bing le- left off and took it, took it further. I guess the brothers are driving down from Queensland. Stella's flying in from the coast They say it's gonna be a hundred degrees Even more maybe But that won't stop the road Who's gonna make the gravy now? I bet it won't taste the same Just that flour, salt, a little red wine Get a dollar for tomato sauce For sweetness and that extra tang And give my love to Angus And to Frank and Dolly So the huge Paul Kelly hit that very nearly didn't happen was a song that sat on a tape and was forgotten for years before Paul found it and made it into the song that we know and love today. The song was released in 1987, but it wasn't until 1998 when speaking to Richard Kingsmill that Paul revealed how it was nearly lost forever. Do you ever write lyrics and then are just completely unable to put music to those lyrics or vice versa? You come up with a great piece of music and then you just can't find any lyrics to fit? Um, I, often, I write lots of music that uh, never gets lyrics to it. Uh, I don't generally write a set of lyrics with, without music because the, the lyrics are always determined by, you know, 
kind of the phrasing and, and the rhythm. So, um, so you got plenty of music, but just no words to go yeah, with them. Yeah, you know, yeah. Call it music. It's probably a, a little, a little grand. It's almost like calling yourself a composer. But um, you know, I get lots of. It's like the musical equivalent of doodling. You know, I just uh, it's, uh, you get little ideas on the guitar and and, and uh, I, I sing into it or mumble more like it into a tape recorder and um you know they just they just pile up the tapes and uh some of them get words to them and some of them just never do well what's the oldest give us some sort of indication what's a what's a, the oldest piece of music you've had hanging around that you've just never been able to put words to how far back does it date well i've got tapes since you know 1976 but i mean whether you'd go and put lyrics to them now. Yeah. But To Adore was a song that uh, was just lying around on the tape for seven years before I, I got words to it. Seven years. Wow. Mm. Okay. And you were always quite keen on the piece of music. You didn't forget about it. Well, I had forgotten about it, and then I sort of, you know, played an old tape, and uh, and there it was. I thought, oh, that's pretty good. They got married early, never had no money. Then when he got laid off, they really hit the skids. He started up his drinking, then they started fighting. He took it pretty badly, she took both the kids. She said, I'm not standing by to watch you slowly die. So watch me walking at the door. At the door, at the door. She said, Shove it, Jack, I'm walking at your fucking door. She went to her brothers, got a little power. He went to the buttery, he stayed about a year. So he's tackled blues, folk, ska, pop, rock, songs of love and lament, and everything in between. Paul Kelly has even released an album of Shakespearean sonnets and an album of funeral songs. But there's one album he says is normal, and it's called Life is Fine. title comes from uh, Langston Hughes' poem. Langston's an American poet. Um, I put some music to the poem. I made a song out of it, which is the last song on the record. And um, it seemed like a good title for the whole record too because um, this is a collection of songs that I've been sort of putting aside for the last few years of, that I wanted to make into a, an upbeat band record with um, uh, lots of colour and movement. Um, that's really uh, the the whole feeling of the record after the the last few records have been probably a bit more melancholy and philosophical. Uh, I wanted to make a record that was fun and uh, a record that uh, um, the, uh, the record company could uh, call normal. So it's sort of it's sort of a normal record, you could say. And seeing as how Paul loves a bit of spoken word poetry as well, we figured we'd get him to recite that Langston Hughes poem just for you. I went down to the river. I sat down on the bank. I tried to think, but I couldn't. 
so I jumped in and sank. I came up once and hollered. I came up twice and cried. If that water hadn't been so cold, I might have sunk and died. But it was cold in that water. It was cold. I took the elevator, 16 floors above the ground. I thought about my baby and thought I might jump down. I stood there and I hollered. I stood there and I cried. If it hadn't been so high, well, I might have jumped and died. But it was high up there. It was high. So, since I'm here still living, I guess I will live on. I could have died for love, but for living I was born. And though you may see me holler, though you may see me cry, I'll be dogged, sweet baby, if you're going to see me die. Life is fine, fine as wine. Life is fine. All right, that's it from me. What's in the J-Files next week? I'm Gab Burke. Catch you next time. The J-Files.